Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Continuing this series on rest tonight, it's going to be a little different. We're going to, we're going to talk about how Jesus invites us to rest in him. Um, I'm going to do a brief kind of meditation on that scripture, and then I'm going to kind of shift gears, and it might feel a little bit more informal. I have a few slides even. Um, so yeah, so let's pray, and then we'll get to it. Lord, we need you. Uh, we just ask that your spirit would would come and, uh, and give us rest, Lord. Give us a sense of peace and security in you. We pray that your words would uh, just shine forth as true and you would be real, maybe more real uh, than some of us have ever experienced you um, tonight, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you tired, weary, exhausted? Is your energy running out? Do you feel like you are on the verge of burnout? Maybe a breakdown, maybe you've had this cold that's going around, maybe you feel like you've been holding it off, I've been drinking vitamin C like crazy every day, (laughs) trying to keep it off because my whole family has it. Um, Have you been running on fumes for a while and realizing that your tank's on empty, you just can't stop? Are you bored? Are you just kind of feeling numb and apathetic and kind of complacent and just kind of going through life like a zombie? Do you regularly feel insecure? Like you're always trying to earn trust, earn acceptance, earn love? Are you tired of trying new ways to get better? Always searching for that next thing that's going to help you. Do you feel the burden of a guilty conscience? Are you weighed down by not just an awareness of ways you've done things that are wrong, but a feeling and a sense that you are wrong? Do you struggle to remember the last time you felt at peace with yourself, with others, with God? In other words, are you at the end of yourself? Jesus is saying to you, not just the general you, not just the abstract, vague you, but to you, come to me. Who is he saying this to? Well, he's saying it to all of the above. If you found yourself in any of those descriptions of of fatigue, of exhaustion, he's saying it to you. He's saying it to all who labor and are heavy laden. He doesn't just say it to some, he says it to all. There's a hymn called Come Ye Sinners, and it just totally captures uh, the, the sense of this. The second and third verse, let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness, not fit chemist fitness, but uh, being ready, you know, being ready to enter into God's presence, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. This he gives you, this he gives you, tis the Spirit's rising beam. Come, ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. 
Not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners, Jesus came to call. So who is Jesus calling out to? Everyone. Everyone. All who labor, who are weighed down with sorrow for their sin, all who are exhausted, all who feel uh, the oppression of what it means to be sinned against, uh, all those who experience suffering and sickness. What is Jesus offering? He's offering rest for the tired, weary, and exhausted. He's offering rest and solace for the burnout, the beaten down, the bedraggled, the, conf- the confused. He's offering uh, freedom to stop, freedom to rest, that we can say, you know what, my tank is on empty. I do need to stop. We can stop. We can stop at Jesus. Jesus is offering a true rest and connection with him. He's uh, saying there's something better than just disconnecting or numbing. He's saying that I am offering you engagement instead of boredom or disconnection. I'm offering you healing of your pain instead of numbing your pain. Jesus is offering us security. In a couple weekends, we're going to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Why is that such a special time for Christians? Well, it's because that time that he spent on the cross, that suffering, that blood that he shed, that last breath that he breathed was to offer you reconciliation with him, reconciliation with the Father, where all of your sins can be covered, your heart can be made whiter than snow. And because of that, you can have as secure and accepted of a relationship as uh, an esteemed place in the Father's heart as his own son. Martin Luther says, even as if you were the only son or daughter of God. That's the degree of acceptance and security he offers. It means that you don't have to, you don't have to prove yourself. You can just say, Jesus, I need you. All I have is need. I have empty hands. In fact, I have dirty hands. That's what I bring. If you're tired of searching, Jesus is the one whom we can say, at last, the search is over. The Messiah, the one that we have been waiting for. If you read the Old Testament, if you power through Numbers and Deuteronomy, you will get a sense of just this buildup to Jesus who comes at the middle, really towards, more towards the end, but he's come at last. Jesus is here to our guilt and even our shame. Not just our, our knowledge of how we've done wrong, but even our sense of being wrong. Jesus is offering us healing. He is allowing a way for us to be made righteous. In fact, declared righteous. Says that that the the Father, when he sees us, he sees Jesus' righteousness. In other words, he sees infinite perfection. How would he hold you back when he embraces his son, with infinite love. 
For those weary of conflict, in Jesus there is perfect peace and solace for our souls. To those who are at the end of yourselves, Jesus offers nothing less than himself. He's saying, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's saying, I've given down my life, I've laid down my life for you to enter into the rest of God to the seventh day of creation when God said, it is finished, it is done. And he rested and he stopped from his work. How? I said what Jesus offered. I said who he is calling. How do we enter in and take hold of this rest? How do we receive this gift? I want to spend the rest of our time on how. And, and uh, I want to share a little bit of my own experience of how this happens. Uh, I want to spend a little bit of time in very practical matters. I have a few slides, and I'll just tell you, Jimmy, when to, when to switch. Um, but tonight I want to just talk about the, the vertical relationship between you and God. I'm not saying that this is uh, separated from or even more important than your horizontal relationship with the body of Christ with others. We're going to talk about that next week, but I'm going to talk about how you can come into the rest of God, how you can experience the rest of Jesus as an individual tonight. So there are two things. There's, we come to Jesus by faith. That's how we come. We come to him believing. And secondly, we come to Jesus by the means of grace. And I'm going to define that and help you understand what that means. So first of all, we come to Jesus by faith. In Luke 8, it tells the story of Jesus as he walked and he, as he taught people. There would often be great crowds that would come around him. And he was so popular that it would be like, you know, mobbing the stage or running the stage, but he didn't have security. I mean, it was like everyone was just around him. You can imagine he was claustroph- maybe a little feeling claustrophobic. A lot of people were probably bumping into him, but he was teaching. Everyone wanted to hear what he had to say. But he stopped in the middle of his sermon or whatever he was saying, and he said, someone touched me. And that might have sounded a little bizarre to everyone around him, but he had felt something happen. And this woman emerges, and she had spent the last 12 years in a bleeding that wouldn't stop. She had spent all of her savings, all of her money on doctors trying to get this bleeding to be healed. And this woman had touched the edge of Jesus's garment and the bleeding stopped. Jesus looks at this woman and he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Leprosy is not something we run into. Uh, I don't think any of us have ever experienced it on our skin, but it's a serious skin disease that was very contagious in Jesus's day. And they were outcasts. They were shunned from society. Um, There were painful wounds and sores all over your body. And one time Jesus, well, several times, but one time Jesus healed a group of lepers. And there was one who came back and thanked Jesus, and he he bowed down at Jesus' feet, and he said, thank you. This is in Luke 17. 
And Jesus says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. To a blind beggar, talk about an outcast in society. Talk about someone who has nothing. He can't, he can't um, employ himself. He can't uh, do work that would maybe provide the, 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 the money that he needed to live on. This man asked to receive sight, and Jesus gave him his sight. In Luke 18, Jesus says, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Well, which is it? Is it our faith, or is it Jesus' power? Yes. We come to Jesus and we believe that he can do something that no one else can. He can give sight. He can heal leprosy. He can stop bleeding that no physician was able to. When we recognize our need, when we say, you know what, I'm sick. I have this disease and I've tried all these different things. And we come to Jesus and we say, I know you can make me well. I know you can forgive. I know you can heal. That is what faith is, is saying, I believe. I believe in you, Jesus. And even that faith is a gift of God. God gave us that ability. God drew us, in fact, to himself that we would be healed, that we would be changed, that we would receive rest. Secondly, we come to Jesus in faith by the means of grace. So none of us can go into a crowd and hear Jesus speak. None of us can touch his garment by faith. None of us can look at him face to face, even though we long to. But when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left his spirit. And that's the spirit of Jesus. This is not a different God. This is the spirit of Christ. And he is here. He has promised to be present in certain times and places. And one of those is when uh, his um, word is being read, when it's being preached. Another one of those is in prayer. Guys, we've experienced both of those tonight. And we can say with confidence because Jesus promises to be in those that Jesus, his spirit is here with us. Yes, he's invisible. Yes, we may not feel him all the time. But what does this look like for us to exercise this? It takes practice. I want to look at um, the, the first slide, and this might be kind of jolting back into the real world. What is this graph? What is this? Um, th- this is a uh, James Clear. I, I don't believe he's, he's a believer. I, I hope he is, right? But this is a, a New York Times bestseller, Atomic Habits. That's an incredible book, just looking at these tiny, tiny little things that we do and how it affects our lives. And so this first graph, I think, is great, where we think that if we start a new habit, maybe it's going to the gym, maybe it's, maybe it's reading the Bible, maybe it's praying, that it's just going to be the steady upward progress, you know, that line, that straight line, that's what we think would, should happen. But he says, actually, our habits look more like a curve, that It takes a really long time to see progress, or maybe feels like a really long time, but once you start seeing progress, it's exponential. And then the second graph 
Um, it, it's called 1% Better Every Day. It, it's kind of um, mathematically somehow this, this you know, I, I don't have a very mathematical mind, but um, if you have a bad habit and it's, it's, you get 1% worse and worse every day, this is the bottom curve, um, it's, it's much less. It's 0 0.03 if you do it for a year. Um, and then if you do 1% better uh, every day for one year, it's um, 37.78. Anyway, the, the visual is there, right? That there's this exponential increase when this good habit is repeated over and over again through time. That's something you, you could say miraculous happened, even though this is just talk, he's talking about, you know, simple things like brushing your teeth or eating well. How much more... Would this be true for spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading the word? How much more so if we take even just five minutes every day to do this? And if we commit to just five minutes. Uh, friends, we have five minutes to do Wordle. <laughs> I, I do it every day, uh, almost every day. Um, we have five minutes. You have five minutes. Um, even if you have the busiest schedule here and we could all get out our calendars and compare, you do have five minutes. What if, what is the potential that God could do in your life if you take five minutes every day in prayer and reading a few verses in his word? Maybe you're like, okay, I don't know where to start. I've started before in Genesis and that didn't go well. Uh, maybe you're like, I don't know how to pray. Like, that scares me. That's kind of weird. I'm just talking to some invisible being. Well, thankfully, Jesus teaches us. He shows us. In Matthew 6, he teaches his disciples how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I can say that fast because I've memorized it and said it so many times. If you don't know how to pray, start with that. It's okay. You don't have to be some you know, genius prayer immediately. You can pray a formulaic prayer to begin with, if that's what it takes. But what you see here, it begins to emerge as a pattern. You see a praise, adoration, hallowed be your name. You see uh, asking for things. Your kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts is confession. You see patterns start to emerge. One really helpful rubric, um, ACTS, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. If you're wondering, how do I pray? How do I know I'm hitting all the right things? That's a really good one. Most of us, it's the supplication. It's asking God for things that takes up the majority, and that's okay. That's okay. Um, but prayer needs to be... Um, from the heart. It needs to be from scripture, and, and this gives us a model. How did Jesus pray, like, physically? Like, where was he and what was he doing? Well, it says that many, many times he went away into the wilderness alone, and the disciples scratch his head. It's like, where is he? He was alone with his father. Um, it seems that, uh, especially on a college campus, especially in a busy city, we may often feel lonely, but we are rarely alone. We can rarely find time of solitude where we can truly say, like, I, I, want, I want to be alone right now. 
because I'm with God. Right? Where you find, you find that maybe just empty classroom in CAS on a Sunday night. Maybe you um, are able to um, uh, find, have a dorm room with, uh, with doors that you can, you can shut. You, you, you guys know how difficult this is, but uh, finding that place of solitude. Maybe it's a bench out on the esplanade. I've done that before. And just sit and pray silently to God, even if it's just a few minutes. Silence is another thing. Um, silence is, you know, we often think of noise, like audible noise, but there's also just distractions, right? Our, our phones, sometimes we read scripture on our phones. And I do, and man, whew, it's a distraction so many times. And sometimes I have to go back to the physical book just to keep myself focused and not go to email and not go to news. Um, silence is one of these spiritual disciplines that we have to exercise these habits. Lastly, prayer is something we are to do from the heart. Uh, Jesus, when he prays the night before he was crucified at Gethsemane, it says that he was so intensely praying that he, he sweats blood. Um, I've never experienced that kind of stress or intensity, but surely he was not holding anything back. He was pouring everything out most literally, uh, to God. Uh, in Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Saying, God, I'm open. Know me. See if there's any grievous way in me. Lord, I want you to know the deepest parts of my soul. Tell him those things. If it takes writing it out to focus, maybe get just a white piece of copy paper. Write it all down all of the bad stuff, all of the good stuff, and then crumple it up and throw it away. That's what it takes. Just a few minutes every day, we can receive the rest of God. Um, Scripture, I'm going to move through through this um, somewhat quickly. Um, I think the Bible, man, I know when I talk, when I first dropped that line, reading the Bible, I'm sure there's this like gut reaction, visceral reaction of guilt, of shame, of, of questions, like what is that thing all about? Of uh, Just this reminder like, oh, I forgot to read again today or, or whatnot. Um, maybe it, it elicits this, this negative response because you've, you've seen it used in really evil ways and you're not so sure if you can handle what it contains. Um, I want to kind of reframe and recast using the words of Scripture what Scripture can offer us. What if the Bible we viewed as this feast spread on this table with a chair that has our name on it and it's turned to the side and it's empty? It's there waiting for us. And Jesus is inviting us come to the table, feast, eat. Be filled, be satisfied. God's word is described in Psalm 19 uh, that the word is sweeter than honey. Sweeter than honey. What if um, we viewed the Bible as words from a good friend? Like like a letter from a friend you haven't heard from in a long time. Uh, or, Or kind and gentle advice from a loving father. 
In Proverbs 4, it says, My son, be attentive to my words. God loves you. He's given you words to read, to understand him, to understand your love, his love for you. What if we viewed scripture when we feel like we are in complete darkness and we just need to see where we're going? Um, What if we are confused as to the direction we need to take in life? What if we viewed it as a compass or a light to guide our way? Well, in Psalm 119, it says that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is not me just selling scripture. This is God's word telling you what it's there for and what it can bring you. Where do you begin like, literally, where do you begin? Um, there's a table of contents, like any, any book, there's a table of contents at the beginning of Scripture. If you don't know what page to turn to, that's okay. But don't start with Genesis if you've never read the Bible before. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. If you have to choose one of those four, I'd probably say Mark or John, depending on who you are. <laughs> You want a quick read, Mark, if you want a deep read, John. If you've gone through those, move to the Psalms. A Psalm a day is a great practice. If you want more meaty stuff, read Romans. I'd love to read Romans with you. I really would. Um, There are different ways to read, just like there are different ways to eat. You know, you can eat fast. I just ate a piece of pizza really fast. Um, But sometimes you want to savor and you want to taste it. You want it to linger on your tongue, right? It's called meditating on the word. Where you're not emptying your mind, but you're filling your mind with maybe a phrase of scripture or a verse of scripture. You're turning it over. You're thinking it through. You're reading it over again. You're just letting it sink in. Sometimes you need to study it. Um, Let's turn to the next slide. Um, Yes. Um, maybe, maybe you need a guide. Um, I thought it was the other slide. Uh, maybe you need a guide to help you with scripture. Let's turn to the other slide real quick. Um, the Bible project, if you want to study scripture and you want to understand what, what in the world is going on in Ezra or numbers. And if you really decided you want to get into those, the Bible project has really helpful YouTube videos, uh, that can help you. I don't know if they have an app, um, Maybe you want to memorize scripture. There are apps that can help you do that. This ESV app over on the left is the one I use, and it has these uh, two or three different voice options. Guys, this can be one of the most incredible things. Sometimes when I'm, I'm busy or just exhausted, or even sometimes I'm making like dinner for uh, my family, I'll just turn on scripture and listen to it because I, I just need something good. Um, sometimes you, you, you can't read And it's okay, it's not cheating to just hear it read, to just listen to it. Um, Psalm 34, eight says, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do we know the Lord? Well, we know him through his word. Um, This middle app is called Prayer Mate. I'm just going back to prayer. Um, It's really helpful just if you like to have prayer lists, it can be really helpful. I think you can even have notifications, reminders. Let's go back to the other slide. And I'll be done. Um, these are two devotionals. I, I almost had a whole slew of devotionals to recommend, but these are two that impacted me personally, and I think some others in this room. Gentle and Lowly 
is based on that verse that we just read. And man, it is good, deep reflection and meditation on that verse and others and just understanding the heart of God for you. The Psalms, if you want to work through the Psalms, but you want to understand them as well. Tim Keller's The Songs of Jesus. That's really good. Um, I want to help you guys. Um, Serena, Jimmy, and I really want to help you. And I want to maybe take away just the shame of not knowing where to begin. Um, If you want us to text you uh, reminders, if you want us to just be accountability partners, we're trying to. We're trying hard to begin this habit. 